Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything, the 98-2. On today's show, I'm so excited to be able to have Nina Tulio, the salon coach to the professional beauty industry. She's also the co-host of this podcast, No Stylist Left Behind. She, You can find her on Instagram at, at Nina Tulio. Also on Facebook, 1N Agency. And her website is the 1NAgency.com. This episode is sponsored by Piper Diamonds. You want to lace your lady up? You want to take care of all the jewelry needs? Piper Diamonds is your answer. Our next sponsor is Compton Broomhead Dental. Absolutely the best in the industry. Uh, Munster, Indiana. You need anything uh, taken care of. These guys are on the cutting edge of every single thing when it comes to dental. Also, Cardenas Law Group a boutique law group that takes experience to a completely other level and the only one in the in the law industry that will have you talking about your experience positively when you're done. Join me as we enter the conversation as Nina is expressing how her upbringing has affected her relationships now. I endured through my childhood and so I started doing therapy and I, and I, you know, it may not be for everyone, but it sure is for me. And I've been consistently doing that for years now. And I think that with relationships, it could be positive and negative. So I didn't actually get married until I was almost 34. I was 33 and a half. And the reason being was because I think it was, I'm a harder personality to be with because it is that hustle and grind. What can we do next? What can we do next? And I needed a guy that would be very confident and sure within himself. And I found that very hard to find. But as confident as I am in my business relationships, I am and was not comfortable and confident in my personal relationships with, you know, dating guys and men and things like that because of the lack of relationship that I had with my father. So I always chose people that were unavailable. I chose people that were necessarily uh, not the kindest people because I didn't believe that I was worthy and valuable enough to receive it. And it just stemmed from a lot of the uh, seeking validation from my dad. So I would try to seek validation in relationships, but with the reverse effect, I would never find it. And so in my business relationship, that helped me a ton. But in my personal relationship, it was really, really a struggle for me. And not with my friendship, because I've had the majority of my friends I've had for 20, 25 years. Um, but when it comes to relationships, man, with, with men and really figuring that out, it was really, really, really tough for me. It truly was. And thank God for my husband. Um, and I tell him, I'm like, you're an angel because I don't know how you deal with my personality. It's always like, what's next? Let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, but I also come from trauma. And he does not come from, he had like the most perfect childhood and parents and they're beautiful and amazing. And there was nothing that went on there that was like a, a wow moment. So we come from really two different walks of life. So he had to learn how to deal with someone that was pretty broken. And uh, I had to learn to deal with someone that came from pretty uh, interestingly normal environment. So it was really kind of a meld of both worlds, which has been incredibly powerful and uh, interesting to the both of us. How did you guys meet? We met. So uh, when I owned my salon in Pennsylvania, his sister sold ads for Lehigh Valley style magazine. And she had, my territory was her district. So she came in and she's like, Hey, do you ever think about, you want to do ads? You know, we have these happy hours every, you know, once a month on Thursdays, you should come. And so I went to a happy hour and he ended up coming too. And we just kind of said hi and just in passing, you know, that was it. And then two months passed and I went to another happy hour and he happened to be there. And I left, said hi to both of them and left. And she ended up messaging me and she's like, Hey, I don't, normally get involved in my brother's stuff, but you know, he wants to know if he can have your phone number. I was like, okay. And so from then on, we just kind of started chit chatting and hanging out and went on a couple dates and that was it. That's amazing. Now, yeah, what, interesting. Now, now early on, like early on in you guys' relationship, because with everyone, obviously it's roses, you're excited, you know what I mean? Yep. He's probably a handsome guy, you're a beautiful mm -hmm. woman, you guys are so happy, you're doing the thing. When did things start to come up that, hey, 
I've got this. I mean, because, and not to say that you were talking about a beaver cleaver kind of situation, right? But, Mm -hmm. you know, most people don't even know what that is when I'm saying that. But I'm talking like, you know, mom and dad, we have dinner at five o'clock, a picket Mm -hmm. fence, 2.1 kids. And then you have Nina from her reality, which is her norm, right? Mm -hmm. She got super strong mom, East Coast, we're go, 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 go. When did those things start to, when did the honeymoon start to go away and it start to be like, yo, um, we're going to have to work through these things to be able to make it work. You know, it, it was interesting because we met, we got engaged within six months and then we were married within a year. And I think when you're a little older, you just kind of know, you know, you don't have to like play around, you know, we were 33, he was 34. And so, uh, it happened pretty quickly. And I would say, and then we bought a home after that, uh, you know, we moved into the home within a year. And so there was a lot going on, which I like to call the distractions. I have created a lot of distractions in my life, whether it be buying cars or having businesses or having team members to lead and take care of and nurture, uh, you know, going shopping, doing things that just distracted my mind from all of the pain that I carried. Well, when the distraction end, ended, uh, I would say about a year and a half probably two years into the relationship, which was probably only about a year after the marriage, um, my trauma started to come up more and more because there were, there were trigger points. You know, I, and, and some of this, honestly, and we just talked about it the other day, I've been removed from my last relationship for over 11 or 12 years now. And there are still triggers that come up all of that time later. And so early on in our relationship, and my husband is just so kind and cool and calm. He's like completely opposite in terms of personality where I'm like that go, go, go. He's like super even, which is good for me. Uh, and, and I am very emotional and he just couldn't understand why things would trigger me or, you know, why things would get me so upset. And it was a rough point. I'd say probably two years in because I started to question whether I deserved him or not, you know, and that goes back to the worth, you know, the self-worth and the, the dad, you know, daddy issues that were really pulling at me. Cause again, the distractions kept me busy from really working on them intently. And, uh, you know, I really had to sit him down and, and, and explain to him why this is happening. And you got to just kind of work with me on this. And so he's been super supportive. And even with my dad's passing, of course, that was such a, a, a big trigger for me too, even though I felt like I had healed a ton. Uh, you know, it's still kind of the ebbs and flows of a relationship. And, you know, we're almost 10 years in now and it, it never stops. But he's been so supportive and understanding where I come from. I mean, if you could really think about two completely different backgrounds, we come from middle, low class, uh, really struggled. We didn't have money growing up. We really, you know, not that we were deprived, but, you know, we, my mom stayed home until I was probably about five or six. My dad was the, the sole breadwinner and he wasn't ambitious, like I mentioned. So it wasn't like... It wasn't like nothing down the pipeline, you know, it was just kind of like steady Eddie. And then my mom ended up deciding to go back to work and started to get some of her power back and really do for herself. And I think, you know, with looking at his family where his, and my parents did get divorced after 30 years of being married. So we went through that when I was about 14. And then my husband coming from Southern parents, you know, born in Mobile, Mobile, Alabama, living in Texas. Yeah, living in Texas, he moved to the uh, Pennsylvania when he was about 13, 14, and completely different back, backgrounds where his parents were still together. They did eat dinner at night. You know, they had uh, routine and consistency, and it was a very positive, nurturing environment. And so we really were, comp- it was like Clash of the Titans, you know, it was really, really different. And we really had to spend time learning about the effects of our upbringing and, you know, how that kind of hit us in our marriage. So when you're going through this, like, uh, you know, you guys have been married for 10 years, um, you know, before when, you know, when you were not to say that you were dealing with these things, but I think a lot of times, um, when you were saying that you had distractions, right. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times business owners, they create so many distractions that they don't, they don't realize the impacts that they're having in their own business. So, if you can, I'd love for you to expand on that because what challenges did you have in your business that had nothing to do with your business? Because you could have all the greatest systems in the world, but mm-hmm. sometimes be hurting inside your heart and your systems won't work. 
what type of challenges did you experience in your businesses that were in line with those that you didn't see at the time that now you look back on, you're like, okay, that's, that's it. So the funny thing is, is, is that I felt like I almost lived two lives. I had my personal life where I was, uh, kind of scared and very, uh, a little bit timid and almost didn't have a lot of confidence and self-worth. And then in my business life, I was strong Nina and I was confident Nina and I could take on the world and I wasn't scared. I was actually fearless, totally fearless in my business. However, the lack of uh, self-worth and lack of confidence really hurt me in the first five years of owning my business because I ran my business based on emotion. I discounted people. I discounted clients. I was always fearful that if we weren't busy, that I had to, you know, really, really heavily discount people to get people in the door. If someone said they couldn't afford me, I would say, oh, no problem. I'll do it at half price today. You know, I really discounted my talent and my value because I started to kind of go down the rabbit hole of melding the personal and the business together. So, and it's very easy to do that. It's a very emotional business. And I wasn't quite confident yet in the way that I was growing my business, I felt like, cause I almost closed my business twice within my, within my uh, five, five years of business. And I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of it had to do with money. And because I didn't grow up with money and I didn't have a good relationship with money, I made a lot of mistakes when it came to that and compound that with the emotional discounting and the emotionally driven, not feeling enough, not feeling validated, not feeling worthy as an owner yet. Cause I was, you know, still insecure. I just made bad choices when it came to marketing and advertising and keeping people too long and, you know, letting clients kind of walk all over me and dictate my pricing. And so at that time, I felt like those two worlds collided. And then I really had to make some choices and, uh, you know, really own my own stuff and take accountability for the mistakes that I made. And so, I hit rock bottom. I was $90,000 in debt and I had to sell my home to keep my business. And it was my choice to do that because I had people relying on me in terms of my team. Uh, I had decided to move out of my tiny little 600 square foot space of a salon and take a huge risk and move into a triple the size location, which was more rent and needed to be rehabbed in order to save my business. And I had to do it. My mom thought I was absolutely crazy. I borrowed $5,000 from my best guy friend. And uh, I said, listen, this is my fault that we were in this situation. And now I need to get us out of it. So if that means I need to sell my home, I'm going to do what I have to do. And I hired in a new crew and we moved to the new salon. We rehabbed it. All my friends and family came in and helped. I used that $5,000 and I hustled with my team. We were out networking. We were all over. We were like Waldo. We were everywhere. And I feel like I was at a low point in my relationship at the time. That was prior to my husband, which was very abusive. And I was also at a very low point in terms of making decisions for my business where I'm $90,000 in debt and selling my home. And I thought, this is my rock bottom. Like shit has to change right now, Nina, or this is going to continue. And that was it. I mean, I just, I had to hold myself accountable and I was done. I was done with the personal Nina getting involved in the way of my business, Nina. Cause I didn't, I didn't like that. You know, I like to feel good about my business and I didn't like that. She, you know, the other person was taking over. And so I really had to step up, step up and hold myself accountable. So when was the transition for you as far as you owned the, uh, the business and now you coach salon owners, um, you're one of the top in the business at this, which I think is incredible. Um, for those of you listening, uh, you know, make sure that you uh, check out the website, when in, one in agency and on um, Instagram uh, at Nina Tulio or at one, a uh, one N agency on Facebook people. I mean, you're a, the, you are, you're a, a huge voice, if not the voice in the uh, professional beauty industry, as far as uh, coaching, you know, salon well, owner you. coaching. So when did, when did that transition happen and how did that transition happen for you? So it was 2014 and I started writing uh, like coaching curriculum 
to kind of help salon owners was my passion because I know how hard it is to be a commission salon owner. And so that was my market. That's really where this started. And in 2014, I still owned my business, so I couldn't spend the time, uh, you know, focusing on it. And I also was starting to get tired, honestly. I worked behind the chair for on and off for about 20 years. But in my business, when I had my salon, I worked uh, five days a week, four days a week. And then I started to transition away from working behind the chair so I could actually spend time growing the business. And my mentor always said to me, your strength is not behind the chair. Your strength is growing people. If you stay behind the chair, it's going to be ball and chain to you and your business. And you've got to get, you have to have an out and an exit strategy. And so as I started to get tired and working 365 days a year, and that was my choice. That was on me. Nobody made me do that, but that's just how I decided to work. And I decided that in 2014, I'm going to set a plan of action in place to sell my business. I'm going to set up an, an exit strategy. And I transitioned away from the chair and I started to search for buyers and I reached out to someone and they ended up buying the salon. In the meantime, my husband was getting a new job and we were supposed to move south because the goal was to be to live where it was warmer. And he said, hey, I have this really great job and you're never going to believe where it is. And I'm like, where? He's like, Connecticut. I said, huh? There's no palm trees in Connecticut. It's colder there. <laughs> like, why are we moving there? Um, but I took one for the team. You know, we moved to Connecticut and took them for the team meeting. It wasn't my dream of living in palm trees. Um, we lived in Connecticut for two years and I met the most amazing souls there, very supportive salon owners and stylists. And in 2016, I sold the business. In 2016, we moved to Connecticut. And in 2017, I started one an agency all on social media. No one knew me. I didn't know anyone, you know, in Connecticut and I had to start over from scratch. And, uh, it was very humbling, you know, to have the community embrace me. And since then, we've moved to Los Angeles. And now, you know, my business is great because I can work remote. You know, I can work wherever wherever we are. Um, so it's been quite a journey to be able to travel and educate salon owners and stylists and how to grow their business and build their confidence. You know, that's really my focus is to grow both of them, not just the business, but, you know, self-work too. So with the, uh, with the crazy things that have happened in the last couple of months, and, uh, you know, I said uh, earlier, I was talking with a, a young lady, Carolina Hobson. She's phenomenal. You, you need to meet her. Um, we were talking about, you know, sticking to the plan, but going with the flow. So just like what mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier, being able to adapt, right? And we were joking, saying that really there's not been any huge you know, everything's been normal for, for a long time. And this year has, hasn't had any hiccups at all. And obviously we were saying this in jest. And (laughs) what has been the positives for salon owners or in business or even in your life in general, what's been the positives uh, that you've seen in the, uh, the gaping uh, opportunities that are, that have posed themselves because of the challenges that we're seeing in the world? Yes. And I love this question. And I think that with great stress and great duress, there lies great opportunity. And I think that salon owners and in working with a lot of salon owners, owners over the past, you know, five, six months, they really are able to take a step back and not only self self assess, but also assess their business. You know, what are things that I need to do that I can tweak? What are the systems that I wanted to implement, but I never have time to, what are the things about myself, that I feel that I can tweak and change. Maybe I could be a better communicator. Maybe I could uh, lead by example more. I think this has been a time for self-reflection for salon owners and for stylists too. And really thinking about, and what I've seen a lot, and I don't know if you've seen this too, but I've seen a lot of salon owners and stylists really stripping back and going back to the basics of working on that relationship with the guest. Because now in most states, you can only book one client at a time. And that's the school that I come from. I mean, we weren't double booking probably until year seven in my business. We didn't even have, I didn't even have my own assistant ever. Uh, And I think we're kind of stripping it back to spending quality time with the guests and really giving them a five-star plus experience in that one-on-one time. And so, yes, they may be lacking a little bit in the money because they're not able to really double book. But they're, and they're making up for it, but they're really gaining in that quality time with the guests and taking it back to the relationships with the guests. And I think that not everybody, you know, there are people who are really like to double book. And I'm not opposed to double booking as long as you don't compromise the guest experience. But I think that a lot of salon owners are like, wow, this has given me such a great gift to reassess my business, 
self-assess the way that I lead and the way that I teach and the way that I show up. And, you know, for myself too, I can say the same, you know, I, I am actually really enjoying a little bit of a slower pace. Uh, you know, just, you know, like you, like a lot of educators, we travel a ton and I'm really actually enjoying spending time at home with my family and, you know, my husband and my dogs and uh, really, it's really forced me to take a look at what is important in life, what is really important in life. And it has been such a shift for me. I have to say it really, really has been such a shift and a good shift, you know, a positive one. You're taking on more of that West Coast. You better watch out. You better watch out, Nina. You're going to be surfing uh, soon. You're going to be reading a book on the beach. Nina, West Coast, or East Coast Nina is going to, oh, you better watch out. She's going to be like, yes, let's do some yoga and eat some kale and everything will be fine. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what do you see as the biggest pitfall of the, uh, of, of people coming back from this? And, and we're not just speaking to salon owners. I mean, I, obviously, like, honestly, you're, you're probably one of, um, maybe, maybe four, possibly five, uh, people on, on this show that are even in the professional beauty industry. Um, the, the only connection to the professional beauty industry is I cut hair in a mobile home when I was, you know, in a, uh, in ninth grade and, you know, it, it happened to become a, a business for me for 28 years and we were right. doing those kind of things, but it was great because, uh, you know, earlier on the show to, uh, that I got a chance to be able to talk to was the executive uh, producer for Steve, Har the Steve Harvey show who took Steve Harvey mm -hmm. from one show into, uh, multiples and took him into, uh, Emmy award-winning things like that. So as far as just in, in business itself, when you're looking at that business principles or business principles, whether you're utilizing the salon or you're utilizing whatever, um, what are the biggest pitfalls from people coming back from this that you've been seeing that you're saying like, Oh, don't do that thing. Like I saw it. I could see it from a mile away. Stay away from that one because that's going to be a hot button for you. I think it's, it's the financial, you know, I think some of the thing, and it's easy to fall back into old ha uh, habits and patterns, but I think it's very important to create new ones. And the financial side of it is that, you know, there were a lot of people that were not prepared to support themselves, right? You know, as we move into time being off and it, it, it was a thing. I mean, and you know, we, we both have seen it. And I think now what's more important is, is I don't want salon owners, stylists to fall back into their old habits of now that they're working and making money, that they're not saving for a rainy day. I think it's really important now that we have money coming in to really start to think about how important it is to put money aside and have different bank accounts where that money cannot be touched, you know, where it's just set aside for that rainy day or that rainy couple months like we've had. Uh, the financial aspect of it has been a huge detriment and impact to our industry. And I think it's now more important than ever for stylists and owners to reevaluate their financial future. If that's one thing that I could share that I think is so incredibly important is to save for that rainy day because it could be a week and you don't know. I mean, you could get hurt. You could cut yourself. You know, there's so many things that could happen. Uh, but I think there's, there has to be a sense of security knowing that you'll be okay. And there were a lot of people that didn't have that. And it really broke my heart to see. And so not falling back into those patterns and behaviors of like, oh, hey, we're making money now. Everything's good we're not out of the woods, you know, we've got a long way to go with it. So the financial future and security for yourself would be to take it seriously, you know, don't fall back and feel comfortable because we're still in uncomfortable and uncertain times. That would probably be the biggest one for me. So what really jumpstarts your attitude? Cause you seem to have a positive attitude uh, about uh, you know, the, the kind of positive attitude, the, the kind of go getter, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to willing to, you know, put on my, uh, work in shoes and get out there. Um, what's the thing that gets you moving? Let's start it off with music. What's the mute, like either the song or the station that you turn on and you're like, it's go time. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought, did you research me? Cause you, you must know what you see my dancing videos. Cause I am a huge music fan. I've been dancing my whole life. Music is my life. And so if it's anything that's going to get me up and moving, I'm 
all in the hip hop station. That's where I live. That's where I'm comfortable. It's either going to be that or we're going to have Latin music, Spanish music, salsa, merengue, something like that, or some hip hop music. I'm a huge Eminem fan. Uh, I love um, uh, pop smoke. I mean, there's so many different people that I love to listen to, but hip hop for me is, you know, when I'm feeling like, all right, we got to go. Let's grind, right? I got to get to it. And- who else? You said, you said Eminem, you said pop smoke. So who else we got? Meek Mill. Meek Mill. Meek Mill is another okay. one. Keep, one of my faves. Keep it coming. Uh, of course I love Jay-Z. Okay. Um, you oh, who, you who said, of it? course, like everyone should love Jay-Z. Come on. <laughs> That's that East Coast coming out in you. I no, I, I love Jay Z. I mean, I love Jay Z. Uh, there, I yeah. mean, I don't think he's the greatest uh, rapper of all time. Um, but I mean, which is said over and over again, and I I don't believe yeah. that. But um, you know, I think he's. I, I I really enjoy him. I think he's phenomenal. Yeah. Where, where's some more? Keep it coming. Um. Oh my goodness, you're putting me on the spot. Who do I have? Who do I have? That's Meek why Mel, I brought I, you I, on the show. That's why I brought you I on the know, show is to right? put you on the I'm spot. I'm dropping Nina. the ball. Come on, I'm dropping Nina. the ball. I feel like I always listen to the same people. If I'm not listening to Eminem, I'm listening to Meek Mill. I'm listening to um, Pop Smoke is now my favorite favorite. I listen to him nonstop all the time. Uh, but I do, you know, I do listen to Jay-Z, but I wouldn't say he's like on my spin, you know, like all the time. But Latin music, that's another one. I mean, I'm always you catch all my videos, but I'm always dancing to Latin music and I dance Latin ballroom for almost 15 years now. And so I just love the Spanish music when I'm just looking for that pick me up. Uh, and you know, so I kind of float back and forth. I know. I feel like I'm disappointing you on the, no, the, no, um, I love it. The music side, but <laughs> no, you're not. This, that's, this is good. So what is it? Let's, let's go even deeper on it. What's a song that when you hear it, you're like, this is my ish. And you know the lyrics of it. And even if you, because most people don't know all the lyrics, but they, they have their headphones on so they can't hear themselves. What's that song that you go nuts on? You start reciting lyrics that even if they're bad, uh, my buddy Johnny that I grew up with, he knows no lyric to any song, uh, but he's, he raps it like he knows everything. So big shout out to Johnny. What is that song? And what are those lyrics that you're shouting out at the top of your lungs? Well, I have two, first of all. First of all, Eminem's um, I'm Not Afraid, that song, from, I will listen to that song when I'm taking off on a plane. I always put that song on because I don't like to fly. And so Eminem, I'm Not Afraid, Lose Yourself, those are probably two. But I'm a huge Busta Rhymes fan, taking it all the way back. Like all the way back, Busta Rhymes, and, my, and he even has my name. Did you know this? He has Tulio in his one in his song. I'm going to, you're have to listen to it. Okay. Hit you with the Tulio. Yeah. It's in there. Don't worry. Okay, right. Um, but Buster Rhymes. That was for me, from put your hands where my eyes could see. Yes, yes. Yes. That's the song. That song. If you put that song on at any moment in time, I will get down wherever I am. I have so many fun memories of my friends and I just dancing and grooving to that song. And yeah, he was one of my faves. I mean, and still, honestly, to this day, I just like to kind of reminisce and put his songs back on. But that song in particular is one of my faves. Mm-hmm. It's the beat. It's all about the beat. Yep. Now, you're a dancer. Like uh, Now, I have to be conscious of this because I have a lot of listeners in, in Las Vegas. And when you say a dancer, it means something else. When you mm-hmm. say a dancer in any other part of the world, it's like, oh, wow, you're a performer <laughs> in Vegas. Yeah. You say a dancer, you're like, oh, cool, awesome. Um, but how big of a role did that play in you choosing your man? Did he have to have rhythm? <laughs> well, you know what? He he does actually have rhythm. So he is uh, – so his trade is and his job is digital marketing and e-commerce. However, he actually plays jazz guitar and builds jazz guitars on the wow. side. Okay. So he is musically inclined. However, I did have to teach him, you know, a couple little dance moves here and there. He will get out there. Like if I push him, you know, to go out and and dance, if we, if we really wanted to, uh, he's not going to be the first one on the dance floor. Let's just put it at that. But I, I wasn't like, Oh, well you have to be a dancer to be with me, but it's nice. It would be a little bit of a bonus, but he's pretty much down. He'll, he'll do anything, but I like to teach him some of the Latin moves because he didn't know any of that. So we'll spend time in the house kind of just doing like some bachata or something like that. <laughs> what, was was that a, a deal? Would that be a deal breaker? Because for me, like my, I'm very fortunate. My wife is super hot and she's got great rhythm. Um, if, <laughs> if, and believe me, if you're super hot and you don't have rhythm and you dance like Elaine from Seinfeld, it's very <laughs> tough. 
I wouldn't necessarily say it's a deal breaker, but at least he has a little bit of rhythm, which is good. Like I can work with it. It was workable. There was potential. But, okay, but so I wouldn't it, say okay, it was a deal so breaker. If, if there was none, like if he had all white dude, like all white dude on the dance floor, you guys meet, would Nina have said like, okay, you get a second date? If I was 25, probably not. But the 33-year-old Nina is like, you know what, girl? You have been through it. You have been through it. You better just pick him up and teach him a thing or two and move on. Okay. Like, so what? He can't dance. Yeah, I think I was kind of past that um, because there was just, I mean, there was just no way. Like, I had to, listen, we have to pick our battles, right? Just like in the salon, you got to pick your battles. Yes. So when you were, when you were uh, talking about uh, financial acumen, you were talking about this. This is not something very common. We, uh, you know, the professional beauty industry, you know, is, is one of those ones where it's a pattern, right? It's a cycle. Mm -hmm. And I wish that the, for me, I wish the professional beauty industry would go to therapy, like as a whole. Mm -hmm. The reason why is because there's a cycle that's happening. Number one is I build a salon generally because I was not happy at the salon that I worked at. So I go in the back room and I get mad. I get disgruntled. And there's one of my good friends who is feeling the same way. Then I have a another person who's a kind of okay friend that just sways back and forth. Then there's the person who just listens to all the stuff in the back room. Okay. So you got the leader guy, you got their friend or the leader girl or guy, you got the friend who they hang out together. Then you got the kind of hanger on that just is kind of, I'm neutral, but I'll listen. And then you got the person who just gets swayed with whatever uh, conversation is. So you got four people. First dude says, we need to go. I got this great idea. We need to go down the street. Because we're going to open a salon and all these things that we hate are going to be gone. Because now I'm going to be the owner and you, my good friend, are going to be with me and be my number one. And we'll never treat people like this. Then this guy is like, wow, this sounds like amazing. This is so great. And I've been around for a while. So you know what? I don't really like my job. I don't hate it. But you guys are cool. I'll hang with you. Then they go. Then this guy is like, man, all these people are going. I might as well go too. I don't know where I'm going. I don't even know if it's a salon. I don't even know if we're recycling cans, but I'm going to go too. So then the four of these guys go down the street and then they open up this salon that's next to this salon. And then what happens is, is this person, which was number one, right, of the salon, now they're they're number one, goes in the back room, and now this person shifts into the number one role of this person and says, I'm mad at the salon. I can't believe that uh, they're doing whatever. She used to be my friend, but now she's the owner. She's trying to tell me what to do. So you know what, friend? What I'm going to do is I'm going to go down the street, and we're going to make it together. And then this guy listens. Then this yeah. guy listens. And then we go down the street, and we create the exact same salon all the way down the street with the exact same mentality. How do we break this cycle? Whew. Wow. That was a lot. And that was the truth. For sure. I mean, there is a lot of that is that is going on, you know, in our industry. And it's always been going on in our industry. And I think that people are going to seek. It's okay to want better, right? It's okay to want to do more. It's okay to want to have your own salon. I think in terms of breaking the cycle, and, and Jay and I talked about this on our podcast, there is, a, there is a marriage that has to happen between our salon owners and our hairstylists. There are a lot of angry hairstylists right now, and there are a lot of disappointed salon owners right now. And I think that we have to understand that each person has a role. And I think that if you are a salon owner, there has to be those strong leadership qualities. There has to be room for growth. There has to be a growth strategy. There has to be systems. There has to be a lot of integrity and fairness in the way that you're running your business. And you've got to do what you say you're going to do and follow through, right? There has to be a lot of consistency and nurturing and a lot of kindness and compassion that goes on in your business. Now, just because you do all of those things doesn't mean that someone's going to leave, not going to leave. There are always people who are going to want to leave. They may want to open up a suite. They may want to open up a salon. However, the way that they leave is typically determined by the way that they are treated in the salon. And so I think that that for the owner's perspective, you know, we have to kind of work on those things. And then from the hairstylist perspective, it's like, you got to show up and do your job every day. You've got to be the person that you promised that you were going to be in your interview. 
not just, you know, for the first month or two. It's like an, a new relationship. You know, it fizzles off. You still have to show up 15 minutes before your shift. You still have to wash the towels and you still have to clean your station and you still have to treat the guests like you, you did when you first started. Uh, you still have to hold up your end of the bargain. This isn't like you just show up and you have guests. You have to work to get those guests. You have to work and pay your dues. And so it's understanding the perspective of each. I think things are really shifting and changing. And I know from an owner's perspective, and I said this to my team and they will back me to this day. If you want to open up your own salon, I will help you, but don't hurt me in the long run or don't hurt me in the interim or I will come for you, right? Because I have to protect myself and my team. But if you want my help and you want to be honest and you want to tell me that you want to go and do X, Y, Z, I'll help you. There has to be a conversation. You know, stylists are scared to tell owners because they're going to be asked to leave. What do we do about client information? Are we going to take it? Should we take it? Can we take it? Should we have non-competes? I mean, there's so much chatter around all this stuff. And I think that we just have to be kind, understanding humans. If you're a hairstylist and you're thinking about going into business for yourself, leave your salon the way that you would want to be left. Meaning if you are going to leave your salon owner to do something bigger, like open up your own space, be respectful enough to have a conversation and treat them as you would, you would want to be treated when you have your own employees and they come and tell you that they want to leave, right? And there has to be a, a common dialogue there that is courteous where the salon owner isn't going to flip out because Judy wants to go open up her own shop. The conversation should be great. Good for you. That's awesome. Let's talk about how we're going to navigate it and let's talk about how I can help you. That's where things start to change. You know, this competition where, look, social media is here, okay? I can go, if I'm working for you, Kelly, I can go and contact all of my clients on Facebook and Instagram. That's just the way of the world right now. But as a salon, and there's nothing you could do about it, right? But as a salon owner, you've got to be confident in yourself and in your brand enough that you know that your clients are going to stay with you. And if they want to go with somebody else, great. And hey, guess what? Judy just left. I'll give you her information so you can go and follow her. It should be really that easy. I mean, it should really be that kind of conversation. Um, I think it's shifting in that direction. I think stylists feel hurt in a lot of ways because they feel like they've been mistreated. I think salon owners are hurt in a lot of ways because they feel like there's a lot of entitled hairstylists. So we've got to meet in the middle. We've got to talk and we've got to meet in the middle and that's where it ends. So when you seem like a, a very systematic person and you're, 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 the logic is so phenomenal. How does this translate into your marriage? Like, because I, I find like I'm a systematic guy, right? So I'm like, you know, we, we, you know, within this, whether it be in the salon or with the coaching or with the, you know, any of those things that I'm doing, I'm very systematic. And, you know, whether it be that, you know, we're working with, uh, you know, dentist offices, we're working with real estate, um, you know, agencies, wherever we're working and, you know, and we're working with them, it's, it's literally, it's it's so almost simple. You can see it from a mile away. Here's a system, put it in play. It goes. Um, does that work in your marriage? Mm, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. It doesn't work think, in mine. It's not systematic. I think, I don't know. I think I, sometimes, you know, my husband will say, you know, you're, don't talk to me like your business, Nina, you know, cause you're not like, I have a hard time like taking off my business hat and actually just being in a marriage and not making it like a business transaction. Um, you know, I, I have a tendency to do that, but I, I think because my husband is very laid back and chill, you know, there are times where I do take the reins a little bit when it's like, okay, let's do this and let's, you know, kind of plan things out a little bit more. I'm more of a planner. Uh, but no, it's not, I'm definitely more regimented and systematic in my business. Cause remember I have two personalities. I'm business Nina and I'm still personal Nina, you know, which business Nina is still confident, strong Nina. And you know, the personal Nina has come a long way in doing a lot of work on myself, but I'm still having securities just like everybody else. And I'm still working on myself to feel that I'm, worthy of all the things, you know, we're I'm still a work in progress. So yeah, I would say probably not. I don't think so. What about, uh, what's the biggest pain points that you're dealing with right now? Like uh, as you're growing your business, um, you know, cause a lot of people, you know, in these things too, 
Um, these are going to be Nina challenges, <laughs> right? And most of your challenges, a lot of people that are listening are like, I would love to have that. Like, I'd love to have that problem or that challenge or that pain point. What pain points are you experiencing in your business as you're growing? Wow. So, you know, we talk, we've been talking a lot about adapting and, you know, pain points in the business for me have been really just shifting and pivoting the business because we can't do in salon education. We can't travel. We can't be in front of people anymore. Uh, that was one of the things that I had to really adapt to. And I was already doing virtual education because I have a membership program that's almost two years old, but shifting it in ways that's a little bit more structured. Uh, so that was a pain point for me in the way that I was kind of moving through my business, especially over the past six months. I'm like, okay, things are changing. No more in salon education. I have to, but I have to educate people. I want to help them. So now, you know, kind of shifting and, and making that more virtual. But the other thing too is, you know, with, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but selling classes, you know, trying to sell classes, especially business classes was really hard for me. And that the insecurities and the, the, the lack of self-worth and all of those things that I really struggled with when I was younger and even into the early years of owning a business, they started to come out for me, especially when I was first selling tickets to business classes. And it was tough. You know, I could barely get three, five, six, seven people to sign up for a class. And it was, that was really, really hard for me. And I had to keep going because there were so many times where I wanted to throw in the towel where I'm like, you know what? Nobody's hearing me. No one sees me. No one's listening. No one cares, you know? And it's just, you're putting out content and you're putting your heart and soul on the line every day. And you just feel like it's just not working. And so I had those moments where I've had to cancel classes, you know, a few years ago, uh, even, even close to a year and a half ago where I had to cancel classes because nobody would sign up and it's a hit, you know, it's kind of like a hit to your ego a little bit where you're like, wow, I thought I was doing well and guess not, you know, no one wants to come and see me, but you have to continue to pick yourself up and live in your why. You know, I used to live, I live in my why space a lot. And if you know me and follow me, you hear me talk about it. But when you become disconnected from your why, it's really easy to throw in the towel. But what I would have to do for myself is I would think, okay, I want to throw in the towel. That's it. I'm going to give up. No one cares. I'm done with this. I'm so exhausted mentally. And then I would think about the people who look forward to what I have to say. Or I would think about the messages that I received from someone that said, you changed my entire business. You changed the way I lead. You changed the way I show up. I went from making no profit to making $20,000 in profit. You know, these are the things that I think about, or, you know, I get very personal in my classes and I had messages with people that say, Hey, you inspired me to create the relationship with my father that I never had. This makes me very emotional because I think about that stuff, the way that I can impact someone, the way that so many educators like you and so many great educators can impact people on a personal level. And I think about that. I think about someone who said, I now have a relationship with my father because I listened to your story. So those moments, that why, those why moments and my why are my people, my people that show up for me every single day. And they got to think about that. So for my salon owners and stylists, when you are just having a day and a moment and a week where you just want to roll it all away, sometimes you just have to reconnect with your why on a deeper level. And really sit in that. Maybe you just remove yourself from social media and just be. And think about why you started your business. Why you became a hairstylist. Why you wanted to open up your own salon. And live in that space for a little bit. You know, I think that's really, really important. But the pain points, they're kind of universal. You know, insecurities. Uh, feeling that people don't want to hear you or see you or they don't care. You know, these are pain points that can be throughout our industry as a stylist and as an owner, and I still face them. I'm better, you know, but even though I have, you know, sometimes even this year when I put up a class, I was like, oh boy, what if people don't want to, you know, you get into that mindset. What if they don't want to see you? And so I'm with you guys. I'm still a work in progress, just like everybody else, but try living in that why space when you feel like throwing in the towel. And I, I think it'll really help. What do you think the next stage is for, for Nina? Like, uh, you know, when you're looking at you, um, if I would have told you, you know, five years ago, would you have told me that you'd be sitting in the space where you're at now? I mean, five years ago, how, how long ago would you uh, sell the salon? 
2016. Uh, three years, yeah. So three so years ago. Three years. So if I yep. would have asked you five years ago, you probably didn't have that on your radar. Am I correct? Nope. Okay. So mm-hmm. that being said, I mean, you've, you've transcended. You've done phenomenal things. If I would have told you five years ago, you'd be sitting where you're at. You would have probably told me I was crazy because, you know, a person that's kind of focused like you, you got your uh, eyes like basically on the work that you're doing, not to say that you don't have vision because you have vision out there, but Mm -hmm. people who get things done are not talking about all the things that they're going to do. They're doing it. And then they look back and they're like, Oh wow, look what I just did. Mm -hmm. What is next for Nina? What is next? So, and that's funny. We asked this question too on the podcast and I'm always so interested in it. And I think for myself, you know, there are some, some things, cool things that have happened. You know, I just got signed with Oligo Professional to be their business education ambassador, which was really a humbling moment for me. Uh, and they're so supportive and so uh, inclusive and kind people. So that was a really big deal for me. And that I, I was like, wow, can that really happen? You know, for a little old me, I'm, I'm not backed by any brand. I don't work in a salon anymore. I don't have product. Um, and so that was real. That was a really big deal. So I'm really looking forward to that and really kind of uh, nurturing that relationship with Oligo. And I think, um, you know, if I were to say my goal and what I think long-term, I just want to reach and touch and impact more people. That is what I see. I'd love to be on a bigger stage, not to be on a stage because it's not about me. When I think of myself being on a bigger stage, it means more audience members, more people to touch, more people to transform and help. Uh, And so, and maybe transitioning a little bit in a broader spectrum, you know, not so much only in the beauty industry, but also just in business in, in general. Uh, you know, I've got some things coming up that I'm really working on that I've been working on for a while now. And, um, you know, I want to write a book. I read your book. It inspired me. I read your book in like two days. I think I told you that. Um, and then I sent it off to somebody else to read. And then she sent it off to somebody else to read. But it really inspired me. And I actually used your book uh, talking to some publishers lately to say, look, this book is it's systematically done well. It speaks volume. There's value there. It's an easy read. And this is something that I would like to, not that I'm biting off your book, but the way that the concept is, it just, it was so well done. And that probably would be next for me is to really just write a book that's personal, but also tip driven. Um, So yeah, I mean, I admire you and I, I love everything that you've done. I've been watching you from afar. It's really, truly an honor to sit here and chat with you today. I feel like we're old friends, just kind of like chilling and hanging out. Um, but your book really inspired me to be able to do that. So I think that's kind of what's next. Well, that's, that's incredible. What, what do you like speaking to, you know, say, let's, let's speak to a couple of different ones. Number one, let's speak to a kid who just getting in an industry. What advice do you have for him? If you're just getting in the industry, put in the work and have patience because this business, you're not going to get a book overnight. Uh, people always ask me, how do I build my business quickly? There is no quickly in this business. If you put in the work, you show up, you stay, you stay late, you come in early, you learn, you find a mentor, you soak up every inch of education, uh, take the time to do that and really be patient with yourself. That's what I would say to the new people. What about the uh, stylist that's in the middle? The, most of the time, uh, this is the this is the part where people get kind of lost in the sauce, right? So mm-hmm. after, uh, you know, this is a sad stat, very sad. When I told my dad this, he was like, you need to stop right now and just take care of that thing. And this stat was... <laughs> 75% of the kids who graduate from hair school within two and a half years quit. Wow. wow. 75%. Wow. There's something broke. Mm-hmm. There's a, a yeah. cycle. Like I talked about the cycle of the salons, right? This mm-hmm. is normal. It's normal stuff. And what people have done is, I mean, you've heard Zig Ziglar talk before about the pot roast. They keep cutting the ends off the pot roast, but they're not asking why. And the whole right. reason why the ends were cut off the pot roast is because the oven was too small back in the day. Mm. And we keep, we keep wasting so much of the pot roast because our ancestors did it, because our relatives did it, because my aunt did it. I think that it's time in our industry to say, like, honestly, there's some cycles. If this was a relationship, if this was a family, 
then we would go to therapy. Right. We would go to therapy and we would be like, eh, I mean, this same thing keeps happening. And people mm-hmm. are like, oh no, the industry is so different and it's so new because sweets. And I'm like, that happened in the eighties. That it was, yeah. just, it was just called something different. I was just talking mm-hmm. with one of my buddies and he's been in the industry for years and years and years and years. He's one of the most successful in the whole entire industry. And he's one of the, he's, he's a name that you wouldn't even like you would, you know, it's not like people are shouting his name at the top, but I mean, he, I mean, most people pale in comparison to what this guy has been able to do, but he was saying, he said it's the same challenge. It's just got a different name, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying I, I want to make sure that I'm clear on this. I'm not saying that salon suites are the challenge. I'm not saying that part of it, right. but it's funny right. because people will say like, oh, well, it's new. Like this new thing is happening. It ain't new. It ain't mm-hmm. new. It's just like my daughter coming home and be like, yo, the new thing is neon colors to wear and a side <laughs> ponytail. I'm like, girl, that's not new. 1980. You know what I mean? Shaving my hair yep. up underneath my ponytail. It's new. No, it ain't. It's not. But I think that being able to look at those things, you know, but the reason why I say it is uh, the, the question I have for you is what advice do you have for the person in the middle? Because most people don't spend time on the people in the middle. They, yeah. they spend time on the kids coming into the industry. They try and save the people who are just about to get out of it. Yep. But the people in the middle, they, a lot of times don't get a ton of advice or they, I mean, because they're just, eh, and a lot of times they don't show up to the, to the events, things like that. What advice do you have to them? My advice to them would be to make sure that you are being flexible in your approach on growing your business. Because social media is now a thing, you know, you have to be open to new ideas and ways on how to connect and engage and grow your business. Because it's not the same as before of handing out flyers and going to networking, especially now we can't get out and network because of what's happening in our world. So pick up something new, challenge yourself, step outside of the box and really reinvent yourself. If you're tired and you're like, hey, I'm just tired of doing the same old things, maybe you can start to really become more specific about who your target market is, who you want to spend time with, and really become like hone in on your craft in terms of your specialty and focus on that. I think reinventing yourself is so important in this business because it's easy to become stale, you know, because we kind of do the same thing and, and it is an artistic and creative business that the trends are coming and they're coming fast and you've got to be able to keep up with them, but you also have to stay true to yourself. So I would challenge yourself. I would definitely step outside of the box. I would hone in on your target market and your, and your niche and really focus on, uh, focus on doing that and be flexible in the way that you're approaching your business. What advice would you give to the, to the person who is, you know, they've been in it for, you know, 20 years, 15, 20 years, they've been in it. They're, they're seeing cycles happen, things like that. And when I'm saying this, I don't, it's not that I don't get excited about cycles. I love it. Like I love, mm-hmm. tic, I love me some TikTok. Um, yeah, I, I, lo- I loved it before when it was musically, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. When everyone was saying like, I can't believe this, this is only for 10 year olds. And then TikTok happened and they changed <laughs> the name. And it became yep. the same exact thing. I mean, um, you know, so I, I get excited about these things. I want to be on the cutting edge of it, things like that. But what do you say to a person who's been in the business for, uh, you know, quite some time and they're a little tired? Yeah. Continue to reignite your passion. You know, I think for them, most importantly, it is to spend time sitting in your why, because as you're look, I'm 24 years in the business and I get it. When I was 20 years in, it's hard to become disconnected from that and feel like this is just a job that you're going to when it's not right. It's a career and it is a life changing career. And so I think spending more time connecting with your why is important as you're a veteran stylist. And I think also being open-minded to the changes that have come and not pushing certain things off. I think it's important to be, uh, cause listen, there are a lot of people in the industry that are, you know, been in the business for 20, 25, 30 years that are really active in a lot of the new ways of growing their business. They're really active on Instagram. They're really active on Facebook. They're really doing all of the things in terms of social media. But I think that it's important to get your education on, you know, never stop learning. And you, you know, this, and we talk, I talk about it. You talk about it. Every educator does. You have to continue to fill your hairstylist spirit because you can't keep doing the things that you were doing 15 years ago as a hairstylist. It's just not going to cut it anymore. So just be a little bit more open-minded to that. 
So this is uh, this is the thing. I mean, you know, a lot of times, and I'm sure that you do. You coach not only on uh, salon ownership, but you're helping people to become better people, right? Yeah. Because if you become a better person, you'll become a better salon owner. And that's right. what I heard you say earlier. Like, mm-hmm. if, if you're just going to continue, like you continue on in your emotions, and you have all the incredible systems, if your life isn't in line, it's going to falter. Does that yeah. make sense? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure you get a lot of these uh, questions, you know, these, these kind of questions from people that uh, come to you about relationship issues, things like that. I had mm-hmm. a, a friend, uh, you know, uh, I had had somebody come and ask, like, they said that they were having a, a challenge in a relationship. And I said, okay, so mm-hmm. wh- where'd you meet? And they said, well, I met at the club. And I said, okay. And I said, tell me the story. And they said, I was uh, met him. And, you know, when we connected, he was on the outs with his girlfriend um, you know, they, the relationship was already over, but they just hadn't broken up yet and they were on the outs and then we met and, you know, we started talking, he was amazing. And, you know, again, like the girl that was before she was kind of, you know, she was still lingering, but it was already done and he was emotionally gone. So I was okay with starting the relationship mm-hmm. and I started the relationship and we've been in it for a while. And I just found out that he's been out cheating on me. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think my response was to this? I think your response is, well, you kind of knew that getting into it, right? I mean, you knew what you were getting into. Like if he did that to you or you're, yeah, that happened with you, then why wouldn't it happen again? That's kind of thinking what your response would be something similar to that. Um, Maybe not, not as direct, but um, you know, you kind of had an idea of what this picture could look like. Okay. You know? So the reason why I say it is just because I just heard a concept just recently and we were talking about it and uh, with uh, stylist building their business on Instagram, like not mm-hmm. building their brand or their presence, but going after clients. Mm-hmm. And when we started to talk about it, what we started to realize, and I wanted your take on this because I, mm-hmm. I heard this concept and it just, it kind of blew me away is the person started talking about it and they were saying like, okay, well, how are you building your business? I'm building it on Instagram. I'm, that's what I'm doing. And they said that they're having a tough time retaining. And so my question to them was the exact same to the girl who went to the club, who was hooking up with the dude who was uh, uh, on the outs with his girlfriend. If you're trying to gain your guest from a guest who's doing this, what stops your guest from doing this while they're with you? Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And what I find, what I find is, you know, in this, in this world right now and in this time, mm-hmm. there's more people that as opposed to trying to build a brand and a presence that they're mm-hmm. actually trying to get a guest. And mm-hmm. if you get a guest from a person doing this, that person is more apt to do this again. Right. What is your take on that? So you're scrolling just for people who can't see what you're doing. (laughs) You're doing that swipe up. Scrolling and scrolling, right? So you're saying basically if somebody is on Instagram and they're scrolling looking for a stylist, they're going to find you and they're going to hop to the next stylist because they're going to keep scrolling and scrolling. And, you know, it's kind of like trying to find something better or the grass is greener on the other side type thing. I think that the mindset needs to be wrapped around the fact that your business is a brand. And I said it from before and I'll say it again, that the business is not about hair. It's about relationship. The hair is a factor of it, but the business is, this business is 80% relationships and the way that you treat people and the way that you make them feel and 20% hair. If you can master the way that you treat people and that you're kind to them and good to them and you invest in them and you love on them and you nurture that relationship in your chair and beyond, because it doesn't just stop in the chair. It's how you communicate with them after. The hair has to be good. Don't get me wrong. We're not jacking up people's haircuts here, but it still has to be the foundation. And part of that is the brand. Part of that is the message. Part of that is your mission statement and how you show up and what your brand promise is to your guests every single day. That all is encompassed into it, right? So it isn't about just finding a guest. And here's the thing, and I love that we're talking about this because I actually don't even really talk a ton about attracting new guests. I talk about retaining them because if you are 
listen, I would rather, and I said this to my stylist, I would rather have you get 10 new guests and keep eight of them than get 30 new guests and keep five of them. Okay. I'm not worried about the, the level of the volume that we're getting. I'm looking for quality people who want to keep loyal relationships and keep loyal guests. And so if we shift our focus and look at the retention, instead of always trying to attract new guests, you can actually find money in your business just by looking at how you're retaining your guests and retaining them comes from a, a different couple different things. It's the quality of work. It's the guest experience from start to finish. It's the guest experience before they arrive. It's the guest experience after they leave. It's how you're communicating with them. It's how you value and appreciate them from start to finish and beyond. And so I think if we focus on that um, and not scrolling and looking to try to find someone, um, just a guest and a body in the chair, uh, the mindset becomes different and it becomes more uh, well-rounded. And we say like, wow, hmm. I could just get that. It's a lot easier for me to keep my guests than it is for me to continue, continuously have to attract new ones. It's way more time, money, and energy into attracting them. It's less time, money, and energy into keeping the ones that we have. So um, I went off on a tangent there because I get real passionate about retention um, because I think it's so important. But I also want people to understand that Listen, and I'm going to be straight up with you guys. And my, my stylist, my team will tell you this. Was I a good hairstylist? Yes. Was I was the best? Was I the best hairstylist? No. My team was way more talented than me in a lot of ways. But I was 95% booked. I stopped taking new guests year six. And I kept my retention rate the same for years after that. And the only reason was because I just knew how to treat people. I knew how to nurture that relationship and love on them and be invested in them and spend time with them and check in on them. And that's why they stayed with me for so long. I did, I did good work, but I wasn't like, you know, banging out the latest and greatest brand new trends and like, you know, doing backflips behind my chair. It was just, I mastered the relationship side of it. So if you can do that and also do great hair, then you're in business. You're good. Wow. Uh, I, I, I'm blown away. I mean, when you said a tangent, it's not a tangent. It's great to be able to hear your heart. It's, it's great <laughs> to you. be able to, to hear that. And I think that, again, this transcends any business. And, and, you know, uh, when you say that, you know, 90, what do you say? 80% and 20%, 80% mm-hmm. is the way you treat people. 20% is the actual physical work. And when you look at those things, I mean, it, 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 a hundred percent, like when you look at businesses, I think that people are just focused on sometimes maybe not the best thing they're focused Mm -hmm. on. You know, I I find so many hairdressers that are like, you know, I could create the best bob in the world or I got this Mm -hmm. balayage and I spent so much time and I'm like, or they, they don't have that much business and they're videotaping themselves while they're with their guests to be able to post it on social media. And I'm like, why don't you just turn the camera off, turn the Mm -hmm. camera off, spend the time with that guest. Because if you did, that would multiply that particular guest. Now, if you're in a uh, education side, I completely understand it, but I think mm-hmm. far, far too many people in our industry are not keying in. And please listen, like when you guys are, please listen, but stop right now and go get a notebook and write down what Nina's talking about. And you just need to get a hold of her. You need to spend time with her because as you can see, this fire that she spits is so phenomenal. So the whole reason why I created this podcast, Nina, was to humanize iconic people like yourself in, in in any and every industry. And the reason why I did it is for my kids. And it's Maddox and McKenna. McKenna is 11 and Maddox is 8. Um, so mm. this is the time where you look into the camera and you have to say both their names, Maddox and McKenna, or you can say McKenna and Maddox, either way that you want to go. And tell them, uh, you know, what you think uh, – you know, what you think that they should hear, what maybe uh, a message that Nina would like them to be able to, to be able to get. Wow. I love this. Okay. So Maddox Maddox and McKenna and McKenna, here we go, kids. I think one of the most important things I want to leave with you today is to write your own song, walk your own path, walk your own journey and never ever compare your journey or your song to anyone else. It is so incredibly easy to be able to look at 
other kids and in other schools or other classmates or on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and see what they're doing and get kind of lost in that. But your truth will come out when you're authentic and stay true to yourself and you just write your own path and stay in that lane and you do you. That would be what I would say because I think that's what I would say to my younger self. Don't compare, don't compete, um, not necessarily compete, but don't compare your journey to somebody else's. Listen to your own and write your own song and stay true to that because that truly is where the magic happens. Well, Nina, you are amazing. It's it's incredible the way that this thing started off because, you know, we started off with roadblocks. Um, we had adversity right off the bat. Our Zoom would not connect where, you know, we were bouncing in and out. We figured a way to be able to make this thing happen. Um, not only we were just going to do audio and not do visual, but we were able to do both. But you taught me this this lesson through this that you kept the exact same attitude, whether it was that everything was working out exactly the way that we planned or not. You kept the exact same attitude and you kept the same work, work ethic. You continued to press through those things and you have just been, it, I'm, I'm sorry that we haven't connected before and, and earlier and more often um, because you are a genius. Your wisdom is, is thank you. Your, your wisdom is phenomenal. I appreciate you being here. Um, for all of you listening, um, do the subscribe thing, click the links, do all the things that you're supposed to, uh, patronize the, uh, there's going to be shameless promotion. Piper diamonds is a, a sponsor of the, uh, of the show, uh, Cardenas law group. Uh, you, you check them out. They're amazing. Um, I want to thank you, Nina, um, for all your wisdom, for all the things that you're doing in the industry, but most of all, just the person that you are like the person that mm. you are is is incredible and i believe that we need more people like you not only in the professional beauty space but just in the world itself oh thank you my gosh i feel like i'm gonna start crying thank you so much i am truly truly honored honored to be here with you today i have watched you for so many years i'm truly always i'm always inspired by you and how you uh walk through this industry with your faith and your passion and i am I am humbled, truly, just to sit, just sit here and chat with you today. So thank you, thank you so much for spending your time and taking time out of your day to just kind of hang with me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You got it. You're off the hot seat. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Cardenas podcast, guys. 